6: everyone, I'm Carl Amari and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, John Daner stars as the man called Paladin on a western adventure of Have Gun Will Travel from 1959. Then we'll visit 79, Wistful Vista, for part one of Fibber McGee and Molly from 1942 with me is my producer, Mike Costello. What's up, Mike? Hey, how's it going? I'm good. Are you ready for a good Western adventure on Have Gun, Will Travel? Sure. You know, I watch the TV versions of this on MeTV. Yeah, I've and, seen enough and some of the, Yeah, some of the other classic television. And i got to tell you, this is a really good Western series. He, he was an interesting guy, Paladin. And this started actually as a television show. And it was so popular that CBS said, let's turn it into a radio Show too. So it started on TV, then moved to radio. It's one of the only shows that did that. We have an episode now for you from June 7, 1959. It's called Roped, and it stars John Daner. Here's part one of Have Gun Will Travel. You can stay
4: in this cabin and fight it out, or face the men who are waiting to lynch you. Either way, it's a poor choice. <laughs>
7: Miss Wong.
0: Oh, Mr. Chang. Good morning.
7: Yes. Oh, please, Miss Wong. Uh, at the Cotton Hotel, you speak to me as "Hey boy." Everyone does. Oh yes. I forget. Good morning, Hey boy. Uh, good morning. Oh, um, you did not meet Mr. Paladin before he left.
3: No. The lady in
7: charge was showing me what the new duties would be each morning. He left very early. Oh, yes. But uh, in few days, he'll return. Then I introduce you to my very good friend. Oh, that would be very great pleasure. Oh, yes. Oh, no, 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 no. Something is wrong. Oh, when you make Mr. Paladin's bed, you make it uh, West Point style.
3: West Point? I don't know what you mean, West
7: Point. Oh, I assure you. Oh, he Mr. Paladin very particular about bed made army way.
0: Mr. Paladin in the army?
7: Oh, no, no, no. But he was several years ago. Oh, yes. He said it is only proper way to make bed. so. Oh, sir. Uh, you do not tuck your blanket on the corner like this. Oh, now.
0: no.
7: You watch careful now. All right. First, you fold on the bottom side like this. Yes. Then you hold up the end of the blanket and tuck on the corner like this.
0: Oh,
7: yes. Yes, now. Drop blanket and tuck on a whole side. Oh, corners is very smooth this way, Mr. Chang. Yes, a uh, uh, hey boy. Ah, yes. Hey boy.
8: May I please try other side? Okay. Mr. Faraday teaches you to make bed right oh yes.
7: oh, yes. I learn many things from Mr. Faraday. Ah,
8: for I work at Carlton Hotel
7: have you teach me many things. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it would be a great pleasure.
2: This is Frank Knight speaking for Longine, the world's most honored watch. It's wonderful to win a Nobel Prize in Science, a Pulitzer Award in Literature, an Olympic Gold Medal in Sports. In the field of time, did you know that Longines watches have won more great public honors for excellence, elegance, and accuracy than any other watch in the world? This is true. For close to a century, the highest authorities have ranked Longines watches as the finest achievement in the science and art of watchmaking. Yet, for a surprisingly modest cost, you may own or proudly give a Longines the world's most honored watch, the world's most honored gift, styled with distinction, cased in precious metal, promising a lifetime of faultless timekeeping. See your authorized Long Jean jeweler. He will be honored to serve you.
4: The job was finished. The man who had hired me in Salinas had given me an extra hundred dollars to prove that he was pleased and I was on my way back to San Francisco It was good to be alone on horseback As I rode through the verdant coastal valley I was reminded of Illinois As I had known it when I was younger In my imagination I could see myself Riding along on my father's farm Everything very green and sparkling Wonderfully new Hours became minutes Then suddenly I realized It was almost sundown And I was lost I had apparently taken the wrong turn at a fork A few miles back my plans had been to stay overnight in Morgan Hill with an old friend, but now I'd have to bed down on the trail after I found water. While I was looking for a stream, I saw some smoke circling over the treetops a couple of hundred yards ahead. A closer look revealed a small cabin nestled in a grove of eucalyptus.
0: <laughs> hey. Ooh, easy, boy.
4: Don't come <laughs> no closer. <laughs>
0: this
2: is
4: private property. Well, hold your fire. I'm not trespassing. Ooh.
9: My land. Strangers ain't welcome. How come you're nosing around here?
4: I was looking for a creek. My horse needs water.
9: People don't look for creeks in these parts.
4: Everybody around here as friendly as you? Just be on your way, mister. Look, I've been riding all day. If you look at my horse, you can tell he needs water. You got a well? I'd be willing to pay. How much? You tell me it's your water. You willing to pay
9: two dollars? That's your price. Let me see the money. Here. All right. You can have the water. Dismount and walk your horse up to that trough by the pump. I'll be right behind you with this rifle. All right. Walk.
4: You're mighty free with that rifle.
9: Been a lot of horse stealing lately.
4: You got a lot of horses?
9: A few out back. They're good ones. They're worth stealing. I don't take any chances. I see. A man don't just happen to wander onto my land. This ain't on the road to no place.
4: I wouldn't be here if I hadn't got lost. I was on my way to Morgan Hill. You're better than ten miles
9: from Morgan Hill.
4: Huh. There's not much water in the trough. There's more when it's gone. I'm afraid I won't have any luck picking up that trail before morning. It's going to be a dark night. Dirk? What is it, Agnes?
10: supper's on the table.
9: I'll be in in a minute.
10: What's he doing here?
9: Watering his horse.
10: Dirk, I heard the shooting. What was it? Nothing. Who's that man with you?
9: A stranger.
10: Is he staying for supper? No.
9: I'll need more water. Well, you just pump it yourself. <laughs> Trust him.
0: You
10: killed him. Ah,
9: he ain't dead.
10: He ain't moving. Why'd you do it?
9: I aim to find out who he is.
10: It'll look like he's breathing.
9: He's breathing. There ought to be something in this wallet telling who he is. Here.
10: Huh?
9: You read the printing on this card? I
10: see. It says... Have gun, will travel, wire, paladin, San Francisco. His name is Paladin.
9: And that card means he's a hired gun.
10: You don't think? I
9: might have known, come snooping around here near dark, saying he's lost.
10: You think the ranchers hired him? Yeah.
9: Probably old Fred Mosley. I got more of his horses than any other's.
10: Don't pay, really does
9: What do you mean?
10: Always run and hide and pretend, and it don't amount to a thing. We could make a better living digging clams on the beach. Horse thieving don't amount to a thing, dirt. Now don't start that again.
9: You just get us ready to move out of here by sunup.
10: What are you gonna do with him? I don't know.
9: I never killed a man before. This just might be the first time. What do
2: you need?
10: (laughs)
6: Lots of dollars during sicknesses. You need lots of dollars for an accident. You need the kind of protection that only Mutual of Omaha sells.
0: What do you need?
1: You need the health insurance that is ideal for young families because it offers you special savings. The younger you are when you start your Mutual of Omaha hospital, surgical, and income protection plan, the lower the cost.
9: Here's what you need.
1: You need Young Family Health Insurance. Long-term benefits at low cost by Mutual Benefit Health and Accident Association. Call your local Mutual of Omaha agent in the yellow pages or write Mutual of Omaha, Omaha, Nebraska for information on plans available in your state. The long-term, low-cost protection every young family needs is available now. Write for details on this modern, flexible protection that can be tailored to your exact needs. Write Mutual of Omaha... Omaha, Nebraska.
4: Somebody had exploded a stick of dynamite inside my head. I tried to reach up and stop the throbbing, but my hands wouldn't move. They were tied behind my back. I tried to move my legs, but I only felt the rope that was binding them together. Finally, when I was able to focus my eyes, I found I was lying on a bed in the corner of the cabin. In the middle of the room, there was a table with a dim lamp on it. And the woman, Agnes, was bending over a box, stuffing it with pots and pans. She must have heard me move because she looked up.
10: Oh. Finally woke up, huh? Uh,
4: Why Why did he hit me?
10: You can be thankful he didn't kill you.
4: <sighs> Why would he want to kill me?
10: We're on to you, mister. Dirk thought you looked suspicious, and he was right. He found your card. We know you was hired by the ranches to come after, Dirk.
4: I don't know what you're talking about.
10: I suppose you deny your name's Paladin.
4: No. That's my name.
10: Well, don't be tricking me. You can be honest with me, because I saved your life. Dirk wanted to kill you, but I talked him out of it. You can thank me for that.
4: I'm grateful. I do thank you.
10: It ain't your skin I'm worried about. I'm just not going to have my husband start killing.
4: Why would the ranchers hire me to get Dirk?
10: There you go again.
4: Now listen. I don't know who your husband is or what he's done. I was lost. The smoke from your cabin led me here. I wasn't hired by any ranchers. I don't know anybody this side of Morgan Hill. Now believe me. I'm telling you the truth.
10: If you are... We wouldn't have to move on.
4: I'm telling you the truth.
10: We could stay here. Dirk? Dirk? Yeah? Come in here. You believe me? Maybe I do.
4: I wasn't lying.
10: I'd like to believe you. Maybe because I'm tired of running... Maybe because I like this valley, this cabin. Seems like a home.
9: I told you to keep the door closed. What do you want? He woke up. Is that why you called me in here?
10: I was talking to him. I think you ought to hear what he's got to say.
9: We don't have time to prate with bounty hunters. I got the wagon hitched up. Are you done with the packing? He
10: says he wasn't hired by the ranchers.
9: (sighs) Has he been giving you some soft talk? You always was a sucker for soft talk.
4: I wasn't soft talking your wife. The ranchers didn't hire me.
10: If he's telling the truth, we don't have to run. I'm not taking any
9: chance. Dirk! Now, like get down on the floor. Look,
5: can you see anything?
2: No. No, it's
9: pitch dark out there.
5: Come on out, Dirk. We know a Jew that's been stealing our horses.
9: Come on up. That's Fred Mosley. Come and get me, Mosley. There's the answer to your soft-talking friend, Agnes. Listen to me. She was beginning to believe you. I was right. You was hired by the Mosley gang. I don't know, Mosley.
4: I didn't know you were a horse thief. You ain't even a good liar. Look, if you'll untie me, I'll prove to you I'm not with those men. I'll help you out of here and see to it you get a fair trial. Otherwise, they'll hang you.
10: Derek, maybe what he's he's saying...
4: He's tricking
9: us again. Don't listen to him, Magnus. He led those men here. I should have killed you in the first place. And I'd shoot you now, but i got a better plan. Mosley! Yeah? I got your man tied up in here. What man? The man you hired to come after me. We didn't hire any man. He says he was hired by you. His name's Paladin. I'm going to shoot him if you don't leave me
5: be. It won't work. You're wasting your breath trying to fool us, Dirk. If you don't come out, we'll burn you out.
4: Do you believe me now, Dirk?
10: Maybe he was telling the truth.
9: No matter now whether I believe you or not. They're going to burn the cabin.
10: Paladin, what would you do if we untied you?
4: Help to see that your husband doesn't get lynched. Now
9: how can you do that? Well, there's at least three men out there, and they're not going to settle for anything less than a lynching, no matter what you or anybody else says to him. Besides, what
4: do you care if I hang or not? I believe in a fair trial. man's guilty it should be decided in a courtroom. Trial or no trial, I'm
9: going to hang.
4: At least you wouldn't hang tonight. You'll have a chance to hire a good lawyer.
5: Are you coming out, Dirk? Or do you want to stay in there and fry?
4: Paladin,
9: how do you figure on getting me this fair trial you're talking about?
4: Give yourself up. They'll take you nearby. I can follow you and surprise them before they get the rope around your neck. Agnes can go with me with a shotgun. With us undercover in the dark, the odds will be just about even. All right, all
9: right. Maybe it'll work, but there's just one thing you didn't mention. What's that? Agnes will stay behind you all the way with that shotgun, and she'll shoot you if you don't do what you just now said. Fair enough. All right, Agnes,
1: untie him. For 30 years, almost as long as network broadcasting itself, listeners have relied on Lowell Thomas' colorful coverage of the day's events. Why his continuing popularity? Several reasons. For one, Mr. Thomas insists on accuracy in the reports he broadcasts. Listeners know they can rely on his news broadcasts. Two, Mr. Thomas, because of the thousands of acquaintances his globe-circling expeditions have brought him everywhere... Adds personal sidelights and high human interest to the day's news, giving it added color, dimension, and meaning. Add to this a well-honed talent for integrating many items from many places into one meaningful whole, and you have all the keys to Lowell Thomas' 30-year reign as reporter, lecturer, and CBS radio raconteur. Mr. Thomas and our great staff of CBS newsmen, reporters, correspondents, and commentators see that you're kept well informed, kept alert to the constantly changing pattern of world events. Clear, colorful, complete. CBS News on
6: CBS Radio. Let's break from Have Gun, Will Travel. More after these words.
1: More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And
6: now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Now back to Have Gun, Will Travel.
4: Fred Mosley didn't believe there was another man in the cabin. I hid behind the door, but they didn't bother to come inside. They were only interested in Dirk. Agnes stood outside until they were gone. And a few minutes later, we were on horseback, following the sound of Mosley and his men. Paladin? Yeah?
10: I'm scared.
4: For yourself, or Dirk? For Dirk. Don't think about it.
10: Ain't no cause for me to hold this shotgun on you, sir.
4: No, no, there isn't.
10: I can feel it. You're different from most. You're clean. There ain't no pretending with you. I know that for sure now.
4: Hold up. I right, get down. We'll walk from here. Now follow me and be as quiet as you can. There they are. Audio, Quiet, our... Mark. come on hang has that
9: could you don't know for sure I'm the one who stole
7: your
2: horses.
7: I I didn't do it.
9: You don't have no proof. You're a fool. Think we
4: didn't
2: see
9: our horses out back of your place without brain ones? All
4: right. Let's stop here. A man
10: brought him by my place. He already got the rope tied on his neck.
4: Yeah. Now, the rope over and are ready meter. to slap the horse out from under him.
0: Hurry, Paladin.
4: Yeah.
1: Hey,
4: stay behind this rock. Keep the shotgun trained on Mosley, but don't shoot unless you have to. Please don't get
1: a trial.
9: I'm gonna move up closer. Get
1: ready to
2: slap him <laughs> Mosley!
4: Who's that? I got four men with me, armed with shotguns. We say you're not going to hang Dirk. Come on out here where I can see you. Not likely. Why do you want to stop a-hanging? He's a horse thief. Clear out, Mosley, before we start shooting. How do I know there's four of you? Try us.
9: You don't leave me much choice, mister. We can't fight men we can't see. All right, Tom. You and
4: Bill get on your horses. Mosley, don't try anything.
9: We're leaving. No, wait, Mosley, don't do it. Oh,
4: Oh, no. Agnes, stay back there. Dirk. Dirk, can you hear me?
10: You cut him down in time, didn't you? He's all right. He ain't moving, but I know he's all right.
0: Ain't he?
4: He's dead.
10: (sighs) We didn't stop him, did we? Slap that horse out from under Dirk right before our very eyes.
4: I'm sorry, Agnes.
10: You tried. That's all you could do.
4: You want to cry, Agnes? Go ahead.
0: Uh, It'd help.
10: I don't want to cry. I knew it was gonna happen one way or another. That's why I was scared. But it's all over now. I'm not scared anymore.
1: Tonight's story was written by Frank Michael. Featured in the cast were Vic Perrin, Gene Bates, Joseph Kearns, and Virginia Gregg. This is Hugh Douglas speaking. Join us again next week for Have Gun, Will Travel.
6: And that's Have Gun, Will Travel from June 7, 1959. With Roped, starring John Daner as heard on CBS. Hope you enjoyed that. In just a moment, we'll tune into Fibber McGee and Molly. But I want to remind you that there's a great magazine that you should be subscribing to. It's called Remind Magazine. It's our main sponsor here on Hollywood 360. And I have the brand-new April edition in my hands here. Mike, check that out. I see. Look who's on the cover. That's uh, Magnum P.I. himself, Tom Selleck. Now, this particular issue, the April issue, is all about stars and cars. They are cool celebrities, and they're even cooler rides. And my article in this particular issue, you know, I write for this magazine, is all about Jack Benny and his car, the maxwell you know his oh cool. his beat up jalopy yeah. the maxwell yeah so it's all about stars and cars and it's really really cool uh, i think you'll love this magazine if you have never heard of remind magazine just check them out go to their website which is remindmagazine.com or you can pick up an issue at any barnes and noble across the country or any walmart store they're also in airport stores and things like that. But the best place to learn about Remind Magazine is at their website. Just go to remindmagazine.com. And if you subscribe at their website, you'll save about 60% off the newsstand price. So check them out. They're our main sponsor. They're all about nostalgia. And I know you love nostalgia. So check out Remind Magazine. All right. It's time now for Fibber McGee and Molly. Let's go back to November 10th, 1942 this is called Mrs. Uppington's Nephew. It stars Jim and Marion Jordan in part one of Fibber McGee and Molly.
1: The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. The makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow coat present Fibber McGee and Molly, written by Don Quinn, with music by the Kingsmen and Billy Mills Orchestra. The way to a man's heart may be through his stomach. But if you want to take a shortcut, go through his ego. As witness, Mrs. Uppington talking to
11: Fibber McGee and Molly. So what did you tell your nephew, Uppy?
3: I told him to come and see you, Mr. McGee. But you were just the man to give him some advice on how to get on in the world and to make something of himself. Uh, You don't mind?
12: (laughs) Mind? Look at him, Abigail. (laughs) He's as proud and happy as a man who doesn't own a car, can't eat sugar, and hates
3: coffee.
11: (laughs) You send that boy to me, Eppie. I'll put him straight. Oh,
3: splendid, Mr. McGee, splendid. Uh, He's not a bad boy, just at loose ends.
12: What do you mean, loose ends, Abigail?
3: Well, the last I knew, he was a cook in a spaghetti place.
11: Oh, Oh, I see. Loose ends, I see what you mean. (laughs) Well, how's he for the Army and Navy, Eppie?
3: Oh, he's tried many times to enlist, Mr. McGee, but... But they've always turned him down. Why? Oh, for mere boyish pranks. Forgery, for one thing.
11: (laughs) Forgery? You call forgery a boyish prank? What's murder to you, disorderly conduct?
3: (laughs) Oh, but it was a boyish prank in this case, Mr. McGee. Yeah? He wanted the army to think he would be a good soldier, so he signed his application, Ulysses S. Grant.
12: (laughs) Well, I can understand that, Abigail, but uh, why did the Navy refuse him?
3: His reflexes were too good. Too good? Yes, yes. When they tapped him on the knee with that little rubber hammer, uh-huh. he kicked the doctor right in the jaw.
12: <laughs> <laughs> a simple case of enthusiasm.
11: He tried for the Marines, Uppy?
3: Indeed he did, Mr. McGee, but he was turned down for deafness. Deafness, eh? Yes. It seems he didn't hear them when they told him to put the sergeant's watch back where he got it. Ah, <laughs> uh,
12: you know, I, I think the boy is just full of high spirits, Abigail. And maybe just a touch of larceny.
3: Well,
11: I can handle him, Uppy. I'll make him brace up and act like a man. I'll tell him how I started out as a ragged little newsboy. Saved my money. Went to night school.
12: McGee. Huh? Remember, this is
11: Tuesday. So what?
12: Meatless day. Huh? Save the (laughs) baloney.
3: Well, I'll send him over here this evening, Mr. McGee, and you'll give him a good talking to. He thinks very highly of you.
11: Just leave it to me, Eppy. It's obvious the boy just got in with a tough crowd, that's all. Associated with the wrong people. How does he spend his spare time?
3: Uh, Playing pool, I believe. Oh, Oh, my. With whom, Abigail? Well, I don't know all of them, of course, but he says a week ago Saturday he took Mr. McGee for $1.45. A week ago
0: Saturday?
11: I don't remember that.
12: Look, my ragged little newsboy, aren't you getting a little out of your depth?
11: What you mean, out of my depth?
12: Setting yourself up to giving uh, young men advice. Who do you think you are, Horace Gridley?
11: (laughs) That was Horace Greeley. Well,
12: (laughs) you know me. I don't know one horse from another. (laughs) Anyway, now, when her nephew comes over here tonight, I hope you... Say, what's his name?
11: His name? Oh, you know his name. His name's why his name is? Uh... Now, wait a minute now.
12: You should know it. You played pool with him, she said.
11: Doggone it, I don't know everybody I play pool with.
12: That's the trouble you're associating with the wrong crowd. Bad company. Say, incidentally, when did you ever go to night school?
11: Well, it was just the same as night school. They kept me in so often, I never got home till after dark.
0: <laughs>
11: what is that guy's name? Shucks, I know his name as well as I do my own.
12: And what is your name?
11: My name is, uh... Now wait a minute. I got it right here on my driver's license.
12: Trevor McGee. Oh. How do you do?
11: Very glad to make Oh, cut it out. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I gotta think of that kid's name. Oh, I know. What? I'm going to go down to that spaghetti place where he works and get some dope on him. I'll be right back Wait and then a minute,
12: I... I'll go with you. Huh? You'll forget his name before you get home. Is there any gasoline in the car?
11: Yeah, but it's got two flat tires. I'll call a cab. Oh
12: now, McGee, spending all that money Molly, just Holly,
11: this is worth it. A boy's future is at stake. It's a great responsibility. Why, when I think how I struggled up the ladder of success, scrimping and saving and burning the midnight oil to a... Hey, where are you going?
12: To get my hat. Mrs. Uppington's nephew may have to listen to that malarkey, but I don't. <laughs> you call a cab, I'll be right down, dearie.
11: Ah, boy, what a chance to be a good influence in a kid's life. Now, look here, son, I'll say. Every clean-living, red-flooded American boy has... Goodbye, mister. Ah, beat it, sis. I haven't got time to talk to you today. I got a mold a character.
8: Oh. You
11: see, my boy, us men who have reached the top of the ladder... Hey,
8: mister. Well, quit shaking the ladder.
11: I mean... <laughs> look, sis, will hey, you please...
8: Hey, hey, do you know Bob Hope, mister? Why, sure
11: I know Bob Hope. Why?
8: Is he nice?
11: Why, oh, he's great, sis. There ain't a guy in show business that gives more of his time and his work to a good cause than Bob Hope. Oh. He's not hey. only a sincere American, but he's a great comedian. And he's got one of the best radio shows on... Hey,
8: what
11: am I saying? (laughs) Why do you want to know about Bob Hope's? Well,
8: maybe I better tell you first, mister, that the the Junior Red Cross is calling for new members between November 1st and 15th.
11: Well, that's fine, but I don't suppose... And it's up
8: to us kids to show we're interested in it so we can get our teachers to introduce it in our classroom activities, I betcha.
11: Well, good for you, sis. But what does Bob hope It's got...
8: awfully important, mister. Uh-huh. Gee, did you know that ever since President Wilson started it in the last war, the Junior Red Cross is going to be the biggest organization for us kids in the world?
11: That that goes without saying, sis.
8: You're too late. I already said it.
11: (laughs) I know what I meant to say. Did you know that
8: the Junior Red Cross collected almost a million pounds of scrap three months after the war started? Did you, Mr? Did you? Did you? you? Well,
5: (laughs) I can't
11: say that. And did you
8: know that we donated over $300,000 for relief of children in war zones? Did you? Did you? (laughs)
11: Well, (laughs) $300,000...
8: Did you know the Junior Red Cross sent over 100,000 gift boxes to 33 countries last year? Did you? Did you? <laughs> well,
0: no, I never I realized. I bet
8: you didn't even know we donated over 3 million comfort and entertainment items to our armed forces, I bet you.
11: Well, sis, this begins to sound like an important hunk of business. What's the procedure as to getting the grip and the password?
8: Well, we... Hmm?
11: <laughs> I says, what has a boy or girl got to do to join up?
8: Oh, it's easy, mister. All I got to do is ask their teacher to get in touch with the local Red Cross for complete information.
11: Well, that's very interesting. And I'm glad you told me about it, sis, because... Hey, wait a minute. But why were you asking about Bob Hope?
8: Well, we got to get this message across to a whole lot of people, mister. And (laughs) I thought if you knew Mr. Hope, maybe you could get him to put it on the radio.
0: (laughs)
11: Now, you just sit down there, my boy, and let's talk this thing all over. I'm not going to lecture you. I was a young fellow once myself, but I was ambitious. Started out as a ragged little newsboy. One day, a rich customer gave me a $5 gold piece, thinking it was a quarter. And he was gone before I discovered the mistake. Well, sir, I'll admit I was tempted. But my better judgment won out, and I never told him about it.
5: (laughs) That's why
11: I always say to you, young fellas... Mickey, who are you talking to? Huh? Oh, nobody. Just rehearsing what I'm going to tell Uppington's nephew tonight.
12: <laughs> Ragged little newsboy. Yeah. Say, you couldn't sell papers at three for a cent if Mussolini shot Hitler 96-point type. <laughs> <laughs> Is the taxicab here yet?
11: Nobody's on his way. Doggone, I wish I could think of Uppy's nephew's name. That's maddening, isn't it?
12: <laughs> <laughs> well, we're certainly finding out the expensive way. <laughs> Say, maybe if we call... Uh Uh-oh, there's the cab, dearie. Are you ready?
11: All set. Come on.
5: Uh, you, Mr. McGee, you call for a cab?
11: You betcha, bud. We want to go to that spaghetti place on the corner of 14th and Oak. Oh, you don't want to go there,
5: Doc. That's a horrible journey. Huh? Why, that guy serves a meatball that's strictly a leftover from the National Open. (laughs) Now, I know a place Now, listen here.
12: Look, driver, we don't want any other place. We want the one at 14th and Oak for a
5: certain reason. Okay. Okay, lady, you're the doctor. And if your husband eats there, he'll need one. Hop in, folks. Well, here you are, folks.
12: Say, so you better wait for us, driver. We'll only be in
5: here a minute. Lady, a minute in that joint is the experience of a lifetime. <laughs> now, me personally, I got a bad case of romaine eaten in there one night. You mean tomaine, bud? Romaine is a kind of a lettuce. Well, maybe it was the lettuce duck, but it sure give me a bad case of romaine.
12: <laughs> Come on, McGee, can't you hear that meter going jingle, jangle, jingle?
5: Okay, we'll be back in a minute,
12: bud. Well, hello
5: there, kids. Welcome to the Chateau Ravioli.
12: Well, for goodness sakes, Mr. Old Timer. How long you've been working here?
5: Seems like ages, daughter. Started this morning. What well, do you have, kids? <laughs> What would you recommend? I'd recommend you eat someplace else, Johnny. <laughs> we didn't come
11: here to eat anyway, old timer. We just want a little information. You know Mrs. Uppington.
5: Sure do, Johnny. Hmm? Ain't she one of them Mables and Sables that always looks like she was being dragged with a check rein?
12: <laughs> That's a perfect description. You know, uh, she had a nephew working here a few days ago, and we wanted to find
5: out something about him. Yeah. Oh, him! Kind of a musical kid, eh? Musical? Yep. Boss caught him playing pennies from heaven on the cash register. (laughs) Fired him right out on his second day of work.
12: Well, now tell us, what was his name?
5: His name?
11: Name. Yes, name. N-A-M-E, name. That thing that people always spell wrong in gold letters when they give you a billfold for Christmas.
5: (laughs) Oh, his name. Yes. Well, let me think. Kids. His name was uh was uh oh no, granted know it as well as I do my own. Ah, oh,
12: my uh, this is taking us up more blind alleys than a bowling ball. Where did he go from here, Mr. Oldtimer?
5: Uh, well, daughter, the fry cook told the dishwasher that the garbage man says the kid got a job down to the city hall.
11: Oh, city hall, eh? Hmm. Must have some influence.
5: Yes. Probably knows where the tires are buried. <laughs> <laughs> Well, come in again, kids. Sometime we ain't hungry. Thank you, Mr. O'Brien. <laughs> Goodbye.
0: All
5: right, bud, take us to the city hall. Okay, doc. Any way you say. Mind not to reason why. Mind but to do and die. Into the value with death, road to 600. Cannon to the right of them. Cannon to the left of them. Cannon to the behind them. Cannon... Gee, don't you get a bang out of poetry, Doc.
12: <laughs> Look, Swinburne, it isn't your rhyme that frightens us, it's your meter. Let's get going.
5: Lady, use is the master. I am your slave. Consider my taxicab, your magic carpet. To whiskey's away to off... Oh, up... Ah, now he
6: thinks he's Fitzpatrick.
5: Come on, come on, get going. Doc, use is mundane. <laughs>
6: That's the first portion of Fibber, McGee, and Molly from 1942. More of Hollywood 360 after these words.
1: More Hollywood 360 after these important messages.
6: Hi, Carl Amari here. During the month of April, log on to ClassicRadioStore.com and digitally download Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar, Volume 1, featuring six 75-minute detective adventures. Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar, Volume 1 is regularly priced at $19.99, but is yours for half price, only $9.99, via digital download this month only. Also on sale during April is Gunsmoke, Volume 1, featuring 12 stories of the Old West. Gunsmoke Volume 1 is regularly priced at $19.99, but is yours for half price, only $9.99 via digital download this month only. In May, these two collections will go back to full price, so don't miss them while they're on sale during April. Log on to ClassicRadioStore.com to order, and while you're there, download an episode of Suspense, starring Cary Grant, absolutely free, as our gift to you. That's ClassicRadioStore.com. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Next time, it's the conclusion to Fibber, McGee, and Molly from 1942. Then it's a good mystery on murder at midnight from 1946. That's next time here on Hollywood 360. We'll see you then.